pray for Pastor. And I know uh, Pastor isn't feeling well at all, but I know he feels even worse knowing that he's sitting at home and not here preaching. Nothing's harder on a preacher than not to preach. So um, just pray for him that God would strengthen him and lift him this week, that he would be uh, in full strength for Sunday morning and ready to go. Well, um, thank you for coming out tonight. I appreciate the, the effort. We have a lot of sick people, and I hope you pray for all of our people, uh, our staff at the school, all of the teachers are sick, and they've been uh, really struggling this week, and we have several students that are sick, and it's going around, and um, we all covet your prayers, of course, and, and, and as we pray for all of you also, that you don't get sick or, or your children, and uh, so we ask you to keep that in mind throughout the week. All right, well, why don't we take our Bibles this evening real quickly, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I, I like to make Pastor feel good by telling him I'm always ready, so when he's sick, don't worry. But, you know, that's not always true. <laughs> so Tuesday morning when I arrived, I, I had this, actually I had this message in my mind, and I had, I had given it some prayer and thought, and I just had to put the meat on the bone, so to speak. Uh, and, I, and I pray it's profitable to us as God's people tonight, as as we come together, let's stand together as we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'll read the first five verses if you'll read along silently with me. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we stand before you tonight in humility when we consider how much you love us and how much you have done for us. We stand here tonight humbled by the grace that you've poured upon us, so undeserving and unworthy, yet you so freely gave us of your grace. And we equally thank you tonight for your great mercy, not imparting unto us all those things that we deserve. And now, Lord, as we gather here tonight around your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit would have liberty to speak to our hearts and minds, to enlighten us, to strengthen us, to challenge us, to stir us, and to guide us. Thank you for everyone here tonight. How precious each one of the people here tonight are to this ministry, to this church, and to the work of the Lord. And I pray you'd strengthen us all. We ask tonight that you would strengthen our brothers and sisters who are too ill to be with us, that you would lift them and and help them to get back to their jobs and schools, and that you would help them uh, to, to, to get back into church and, and serving alongside. And we, we ask these things, and we pray them in Jesus' name. Amen.
You may be seated. Tonight, I want to focus in and, uh, on, on one particular verse, which we'll talk about in a moment. I've entitled tonight's message, The Hidden Gospel. Perhaps maybe you, you think I'm going to discuss with you a, a new gospel or a special gospel that's hidden that we have to reveal. But I want to talk to you tonight about the hidden gospel. Tonight, as we sit in this place, thousands of lost souls are all about us in this community. They live in a dark world. Yesterday, I received an article citing the ACLU's efforts to stop all prayer in the military. And further, they are attempting to ban cross markers upon the graves of soldiers buried in military cemeteries. Tonight, as we sit in this place, prayer, the Bible, and God's laws, the Ten Commandments, have been banned from our public schools, government buildings, and legislative assemblies. Tonight, as we sit in this place, innocent, unborn babies are being aborted. They're being murdered. Abortions are estimated currently at 1.6 million per year in the United States alone. Some 49,551,703 abortions have been reported in the United States since 1973. And that's just the ones that are reported. There's probably at least that many that have been done in back alleys and dark rooms. This is 150 abortions per hour. Three per minute. Or one baby murdered every 24 seconds. In the time it will take me to preach this message tonight, 120 babies will die at the hands of their own mother and a doctor. This is a dark world. Tonight, as we sit in this place, corrupt men will teach lies and hypocrisy and heresy to unsuspecting souls, condemning them to a Christless existence. Tonight, as you sit in this pew, someone you know is lost. Without a doubt, every one of you here right now can think of someone you know that's lost. And that someone has no hope. No hope without Christ. So, the question tonight is what will we do about it? What are we going to do? And inevitably, the answer comes back, what can I do about it? I think we all have responded that way to that question. What what can we do about all this corruption in the world? What can we do about all of this? What can I, what can you, as Joe Christian, sitting in your pew, what can you do about all of this? Well, the truth of the matter is that there is something we can do. And that something is we can do exactly what God has commanded us to do. The problem is that too many Christians tonight 
are trying to do what they can't do instead of doing what they can do. You see, tonight, I cannot save anyone. People are saved by the will of a sovereign God, not by me. I can't save anyone. I I cannot change a man's heart. I can preach all I want. I can preach and preach and preach and preach and preach and preach. I'm not going to change a man's heart. This is a regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. I can't do it. I cannot stop the decay of this world. This is the work of the Son of God, and He will do this work when He returns in His glory to establish His kingdom upon this earth. But I cannot do this work. These are things I cannot do. Now, in our text passage tonight, Paul is admonishing the believers at Corinth to effectually exercise the ministry that they have been given by God. See, there are things we can do. We have been given by God. We have been commanded to do things, and there are things we can do. But we can't, there are things we can't do, and we need to not focus on the things we can't do, because those are God's works, and we need to focus on the things we can do. He's admonishing these, these, these Christians at Corinth not to use their liberty from the law as an occasion or license to sin, but rather they are to consider their responsibility under grace to live righteously and holy in this present time. Notice with me in, in verse 3 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is, the, this is the focus of my message tonight. 2 Corinthians 4.3 But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Tonight, if the gospel is hidden, it does not impact you and I, the elect saints of God. Hiding the gospel doesn't impact you and I. It impacts those that are lost. Those that do not have Christ. Now, with the time that I have this evening, I would like to expose a few things that can cause the gospel to be hidden. And please understand, as I go through these tonight, I'm not accusing any of us of anything in particular. I just want to remind us tonight that we have a ministry. A ministry has been given to us. The ministry of preaching the gospel of Christ has been entrusted to the church and to its individual members. That is our ministry. That is our labor. That is the thing that we can do to bring about change in our society and in our world. So, tonight, let us look at these things. The gospel is hid, number one, let me say, by our silence. By our silence. Remember earlier I said that I can do something about all of this around me. I said, I can do what God has commanded me to do. What has God commanded us to do? These are familiar verses. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Tonight, you and I have been commissioned. We've been commissioned, verse 19 tells us, to go. Now, this is a command. But more than just a command, this commission that we've received is our empowerment. When an officer in the military is commissioned, he's, giving, he's given uh, a, a papers of commission, of, of commission. He's given a certificate stating that he has been given a commission by the military. And what the military is saying is, we have empowered this man to act as an officer of the United States Armed Forces. And you and I, as Christians, we have been commissioned. And that means that God has empowered us. As you sit here tonight, Jesus said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And Jesus is giving you that power tonight to be a witness unto him. He's given you the power to to go forth and preach the gospel in his name tonight. Not only have we been commissioned to go, but we've been commanded to go. Now, the commission gives us the power, is is our empowerment, and the command is our authority. Go ye, Jesus said. He's commanded you and I to go, to go out into our community, to go into the highways and the hedges, to go into the uttermost corners of the earth, to do what? to preach the gospel, to teach all nations, to speak of the wonders and glory of God, and to speak of our Redeemer and Savior, Jesus Christ. We go forth, but not in our own power or might, but rather we go forth in the power and in the name of the Lord. In Luke chapter 9, and verses 1 and 2, We see the empowerment and we see the Lord sending out his disciples. And we read there, Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Tonight, as you and I sit here, we have also been given That power, we have been empowered and we have been given the authority over the evil and the wickedness in this world. You know, Christians are living defeated lives today. Have you noticed that? Christians have forgotten or have failed to learn about the Lord. I had a Christian someone who claims to be a Christian, sitting in my office last week. And they were sharing with me all the things that are going on in their life and how much trouble they're having. And this, this person was actually deluded to believing that because they've stepped forward now and claimed it, that God has to work all these things out in their lives. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, now you have done your own thing. You've done whatever you want to do. You've You've flaunted uh, the Lord. You've you've rejected his word. You've rejected his church. You've, You've done all these things. And now that these troubles have all fallen about you, you think that because 
you say so, God is obligated to you. My friends, let me tell you something. Tonight, God has already given you power and authority over the world. The world has no authority or no power over you. Only what you will give it does it have. We are more than conquerors through him that loves us. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And you know what? All the governments, all, everything in the world can do what it wants to do. None of it can affect me in any way that my heavenly Father does not allow. And it's time that we, we as God's children wake up and realize that God has empowered us. And he's given us authority. And it's time that we get up and begin to obey his commands. Well, that's pretty weak. See, too many Christians today fail to obey God's commands. Far too many Christians are silent about their faith. Earlier I said that we all know people who are lost. It may be a co-worker, it may be a neighbor, it may be a relative. We know that they are lost, yet we keep silent concerning the gospel. We don't witness to our bosses for fear of being fired. We don't witness to our neighbors for fear of having them not like us. We don't witness to our relatives for fear of them getting mad at us. So we keep silent. There was an old elderly man who was a good friend of my father's. His name was Sam. When I got saved, I, was, I had a bus route that took me right past Sam's home. And every Saturday, as I went to visit my bus kids, I'd drive right past Sam's home. And every time I drove past that home, something inside of me said, go witness to Sam. But I would just drive right on by. And I'd say, well, I'd make up all kinds of excuses. Well, Sam's an old Catholic. He's not going to listen to me. Oh, Sam, he likes to drink. He's not going to listen to me. And I made excuses, and I, I never went and spoke to Sam, never. After a couple of years, I was at my mother's home one day, and my mother gave me the news that Sam had died. And I don't know, and I'm not going to stand here tonight and say Sam died and went to hell because I didn't witness to him, because if, he's, if, he, if he was an elect saint of God, then he heard the gospel. But you know what? That doesn't relieve me from my responsibility, does it? You see, I hid the gospel from Sam. And when I hide the gospel because of my silence, I'm hiding the gospel to those that are lost. When we fail to witness, when we fail to preach the gospel to everyone that God brings into our lives, we are, in effect, hiding the gospel. And and when we hide the gospel, it is always hidden to those that are lost. Now, who is your Sam tonight? 
Who is it that you need to go to and witness? Who is it that you need to open your mouth to tonight? Who needs to hear the gospel from your lips? Remember, God is not asking me to save anyone. That's something I can't do. He's only asking me to witness. He's asking me to preach the gospel to everyone that he brings into my life, and he, God, will save those whom he will save. We are guilty tonight. All of us. We are guilty of hiding the gospel when we fail to witness to those around us. We are guilty of hiding the gospel by our silence. But then secondly tonight, I want to point out that we are also guilty and the gospel is hid when we, number two, sin. First of all, the gospel is hidden by our silence and secondly, it's hid by our sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, we read it earlier. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, which is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now, I said earlier that we live in a dark world. And this world truly is filled with the darkness of sin all around us. And the author of that sin, we all know his name. It's Satan. But conversely, the source of all spiritual light is God. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, John writes, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God is, just as Satan is the, is the author of sin and darkness, God is the author of spiritual light and illumination. And God has placed this spiritual light in each of us. And we have been called to carry this light into the darkness of this world. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, we read, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Yes, God has made us lights. But you know what? The filth of sin can block light. Last year in the winter, we went riding up to Lake Tahoe. Not something I recommend when it's snowing, by the way. Going to Lake Tahoe is usually, what, about a three and a half, four hour drive? It took us nine hours to get there. And when we got there, it must have been below zero because I'd never experienced cold like that in my life. We, we stayed and played in the snow for 35, 40 minutes, and we said, this is enough. And we got back in the vehicles and left. And I mean, 20 miles an hour was, was, was doing well. 
the darkness, darkness finally fell upon us, and we're driving. And I was driving um, my son-in-law's tr- um, Dodge, Corey's Dodge, and I was squinting through the window. I couldn't see a thing. I kept checking to make sure the lights were on, and oh, they were on, but I couldn't see anything. Finally, we pulled over, and I went out front and looked, and there was about a quarter inch of slush caked onto his headlights. The light was on. His lights were working, but I couldn't see anything because all that filth was covering the light. So I made him take off his T-shirt, and I used it. No, I didn't. Had to find a rag in his truck. And we wiped down the headlights, got all that off. And, oh, my, it was, I was so excited. I got in the truck and said, wow, look at that. We can see. We could navigate. We could go. It was great. And you see, you and I, we're lights. And God has, has, has illuminated us and made us a light. A light that will shine in the darkness. That will, you know something, when you see a light in, in, in total darkness, it gives you hope, doesn't it? It, it, it brings comfort and, and it makes you happy. And God has made you and I lights, not because we're great people, but because we have a purpose. Our purpose is to let our light, the light of Christ, shine unto a dark world, that that world may see that light and may desire to come to that light. But if we let ourselves get full of sin and caked over with all the slush and grime from the world, the light is still on, but it doesn't do anyone any good. It can't be seen. You see, sometimes we think, well, the things that I do don't hurt anyone. We convince ourselves that our little sins won't hurt anybody else. But remember 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Joshua chapter 7. Let's all turn to Joshua chapter 7. And we're going to read one verse from Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7 and verse 1. Everyone read this out loud with me. Ready? Begin. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Cormai, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Now look with me all the way over in chapter 7. Let's go to verse 19. Verse 19, and now I will read from verse 19 to the end of the chapter. You just read along silently with me if you would. And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua, and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight. Then I coveted them and took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. 
So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran under the tent, and, behold, it was hid in his tent, and the silver under it. And they took them out of the midst of the tent, and brought them unto Joshua, and unto all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and his sons, and his daughters, and his oxen, and his asses, and his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones, and burned them with fire, after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. You see, just as Achan thought that his sin didn't affect anybody else and wasn't going to hurt anybody else, we, we foolishly convince ourselves of the same thing. We know that Achan's sin hurt a lot of people, didn't it? It cost his wife and his children and his relatives and all of his goods and possessions and everything he had was, was put to death and burned with fire. Not to mention the fact that, that hundreds of Israel's men died because of Achan's sin. So you see, tonight, you and I must realize that our sin does hurt many people. Uh, it'll hurt you and your personal testimony. It will hurt your family. It hurts our church. Christ's glorious bride. And it hurts the lost. Each of us, as children of God, are called to live in righteousness. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, Peter writes, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Again, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 12, Paul writes that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. And all of us tonight, each one of us, we have been called by God and we have been empowered by God to walk in righteousness. Those of you in my, who used to be in my auditorium Bible class, and of course the teenagers, I taught this in the teen class as well, uh, I taught about the mortification of the flesh. Does anybody remember me teaching about the mortifying of the flesh? Well, one of the definitions of mortification is to, to remove, to, to, to eradicate. But we all know, you and I know, that God has not removed the flesh. He has not eradicated it. It still dwells with us. But the other definition of mortification is to limit the power and authority of. And that's exactly what God has done with the flesh. We still dwell in the flesh. The flesh still dwells with us. However, God has limited the flesh's authority over your life. I liken it to a dog chained to a tree. God took that pit bull of the flesh and he chained it up over here to a tree. And now all you and I have to do is stay away from the dog. The dog has no more power over us unless we step on 
inside the radius of the dog's chain. So let me tell you something tonight. Just remember this. Don't say the devil made me do it, because he doesn't and he can't. When you sin, it's because you want to sin. I didn't say you won't be tempted, because we are tempted. However, there's a limit to the temptation. So long as we stay out of the range and stay close to the Lord, we can resist. We only sin when we choose to sin. Let's make that unsaved men, the lost men, saved because they have to sin. They don't have any choice. They have no authority over their flesh. But you do. And God has limited the flesh. He has given us power and authority over evil. And we do not have to sin. So next time you find yourself doing something wrong, don't blame the devil. Blame yourself. Because you're the one that gave in. Amen? Now, if you can grasp this, and if you grab hold of this, it's going to change your whole life. Because next time you're tempted, you'll say, shut up and get out of here. Listen, no cigarette, no can of beer, no bottle of whiskey, no lewd television programming, no pornography on the Internet. None of that has any power over you unless you give it power over you. So let's stop fooling ourselves. And let's quit hiding behind that, because the, as long as we hide behind that, guess what? The gospel is being hidden to the lost. The, the snow is caked, the slush is caked on my headlights, and I can't see where I'm going. And no one else can see either. Get it out, stop, clean it off, realize what's going on, and then get busy living for the Lord. Amen? The light of righteousness is hidden. From the loss, when we continue to walk in sin. So the gospel is hid by, first of all, by our silence, secondly, by our sin, and lastly tonight, the gospel of Christ is hid by our selfishness. By our selfishness. Back to our text verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves... Your servants, for Jesus' sake. Now, in this statement, we see the selflessness of Paul. And, and this, this attitude, by the way, was typical of Paul. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 16 through 19, we read, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will... A dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Paul says, I make myself, Paul says, I owe, I'm free, I owe no, man, no, owe no man anything but to love him. But yet I have made myself servant to all. I have made myself a slave to the gospel of Christ. Why? That I might gain some souls for Christ. Now, I firmly believe that Paul loved what he did. It's hard to believe, but how you could love what Paul went through, but I believe he did. It is my opinion that he deeply loved to serve the Lord. And I find this in Philippians chapter 1, verses 
20 and 21, where he states, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Yet he did state in Scripture that Christ's love for him constrained him or forced him to be faithful to serve. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, he writes, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he, and, and that he died for all, that they which should live, not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So Paul is telling us here that, that, God's, that Christ's love for us constrains us. It, it, it compels us. It, it, it forces us to, to sacrifice our lives and live a life that glorifies and honors Christ. Oh, parents, let me tell you something. The greatest thing you can do for your children is to encourage them to grow up to be what God wants them to be, not what they want to be, but what God wants them to be. Because there is no greater life to live than to live your life doing what God wants you to do. Now, God doesn't call everyone to preach. And he doesn't call everyone to teach. But he calls us all to be lights. He calls us all to live in righteousness. He calls us all to be a witness. Oh, teach your children to put God first in their life to make every decision they make based upon God and God first. You could do no greater thing for your child. Paul sincerely loved to serve God. It was God's undeniable love for Paul, however, that constrained him, that kept him faithful. It it was this love of Christ that inspired Paul to deny his flesh and to submit himself a living sacrifice unto God. And this is evident in two scriptures penned by Paul. First, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, where Paul writes, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then also, as he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 26 and 27, where he states, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And to accomplish this, our life will require us to deny self. We have become so wrapped up in the rat race of this world. We have become so wrapped up that we have forgotten what Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. How about that? How about, what, what do you think America could be like if we raised another generation of men like George Washington, 
Nathan Hale, who said, I regret that I have but one life to give for my country. Men who put God first and foremost in every aspect of their life. Not men who got up on Sunday morning and said, well, let's see, do we have anything to do today? Oh, okay, well, we'll go to church, but we won't go to Sunday school. We'll show up at 11. It's quiet. Don't get mad at the messenger, by the way. Is there any wonder why we're facing the things we're facing in America today? We're a generation of Christians who only pull God out when we have trouble. We're a generation of Christians who only honor God if it's convenient. We're a generation of Christians who only put God first in our life if it will benefit us to do so. We're a derailed generation. That's what we are. And the sooner we all admit that, the sooner we can start trying to raise a generation of young people that will love and honor the Lord. And I didn't have any of that in my notes, I'm sorry. When we cater to our flesh, when we live to satisfy our own desires, we will fail in our duty to show the gospel of Christ by our selfless love for others. Turn with me quickly and we'll be done to Matthew chapter 25. So I'll turn to Matthew chapter 25. By the way, I'm glad that we're in America tonight. Because when Paul preached a message like this in Greece, they took him out and stoned him. So I am glad we live in America tonight, amen? Because I don't want to get stoned. Let's look at Matthew chapter 25, and let's look at verse number 34. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was and hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Others. Living a self-sacrificing life. Living a life that puts other people before yourself. That's what we've been called to do. And that's how we show the gospel of Christ in our lives. Now, let me clarify my statements here. I do not believe that my good deeds will save anyone. However, I do know that we can show forth the love of God and the heart of Christ when we live a sacrificial Christian life. And I do know that the sacrificial life will make us usable by God as examples of God's grace to shine forth the gospel of Christ. But what about us tonight? Are we living our life for the gospel's sake? 
Do we live our life to show forth the mercy and grace of God? Or do we live our life for our own pleasures? Selfishness will hide the love, the mercy, and the grace of God. It will hide the gospel. And if the gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Tonight, our lost friends need to see the gospel of Christ. Our children need to see the gospel of Christ. Our relatives need to see the gospel of Christ. But we must be careful because this gospel can be hidden by our silence, by our sin, and by our selfishness. There's a little song I used to sing with the kids on my bus routes. And I think this little song will kind of help you and I each day to remember this lesson from tonight. I've got the, I've got the lyrics there, but go ahead and bring up the first one. How many of you know this song? Sing it out with me. Ready? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Charlotte wants me to go higher. Next verse. Won't hide it under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine. Won't hide it under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Last verse. Keep it shining till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Keep it shining till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. That's what we can do. We can't change the world. We can't change a heart. We can't save a soul. But you know what we can do? We can shine. Amen. We can shine and love one another. We can shine and love God. We can shine in a dark world. And somebody may look at you and say, boy, I wish I had what they've got. Holy Spirit says, you can. Let's pray. Our Father, Lord, we love you. But we fail. We don't want to fail, but we fail. And none of us here tonight, Lord, can stand and say that we have never been guilty of hiding the gospel. We all have. We, We don't want to. We don't mean to. But we do. So, Lord, I pray tonight. I pray you'd help us remember these things. I pray you'd help us remember that the flesh and the sin and the devil and the world, temptation, none of it has power over us. You have, you have limited all of those things. You, you, you've chained them up. You've put them aside. And you've, you've made it possible for us through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, to walk in righteousness. Help us to do so. Help us to keep our, our lights clean and pure that they may shine in this dark world. And Lord, through all of this, you will be glorified and Jesus will be magnified. Souls will be saved. Your church will grow. And it'll all be because of you, by your power, by your sovereign grace. So we just ask, Lord, that you would clean off our wicks, 
Light our candles and help us shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Thank you, Father, for your your grace and mercy. Bless us all tonight as we leave this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.